The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the fourth chapter. When Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew into Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum by the sea, in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled, the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, The people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. And for those dwelling in the region and shadow of death on them, a light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, in the boat with Zebedee their father, mending their nets. And he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. And he went through all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria, and they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, epileptics, paralytics, and he healed them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis, and from Jerusalem, and Judea, and from beyond the Jordan. This is the Gospel of our Lord. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. So I learned this week that where you are in, on the earth in a very big way determines how much daylight you're going to get. Not meaning like I actually learned that for the first time, but I learned through experience um, just its effects. So I was in Fort Wayne, which is an hour ahead, and um, whatever that meant is that it basically, to myself here, it's like the sun was coming up an hour later. Um, and that was, you know, difficult for early, uh, early spring, definitely late winter today. Um, and my circadian rhythm, um, but a more close to home example is in Elk Grove village, the sun rises one minute before it does in Schaumburg, which is kind of funny to think about. Um, you also get a few extra seconds uh, of daylight here, which is also weird to think about compared to Schaumburg. Now, of course, December 21st, the, the winter solstice or equinox, 
It's the shortest day of the year. We get nine hours and six minutes of daylight here in Elk Grove Village. And each day that's going up to December 21st, the day's a little bit shorter, a little bit shorter, a little bit shorter till it's the shortest day. Now, luckily, no matter if you're in Elk Grove Village or in Schaumburg, ever since December 21st, the process is now reversed. Each day we gain a few more seconds, and now we gain a minute and a half each day, more daylight, and it's going to compound as we shoot for June 21st, the longest day of the year. Long story short, the days are getting brighter. Hallelujah. This will be our greatest hope of defeating the Midwest's dreaded seasonal affective disorder, which causes sleep trouble, mood swings, depression often, and even cravings for carbohydrates, which I myself have been suffering from much so ever since Christmas time, like for real. And the cure is to get more sunlight. I guess uh, the cool kids call it vitamin D deficiency, which is activated from sunlight and radiation, solar radiation. But it's just so simple to understand that the darkness is tough. At first, when the days are getting shorter, it feels cozy. It feels like you get to do nighttime stuff for longer and relax at home. Enjoy the warm glow of artificial lights as you get ready for bed. But everyone can just feel the palpable joy and energy returning as the sun returns, as our days feel longer and warmth comes back, and we all get to go back outside. Yes, at first, the dark feels novel. It might even feel comfortable. But right about January, right about now, with Christmas, December 25th, behind us, we crave the light of the sun. When my wife and I were in college... We would go with other students in what was called a living learning community in our dorm on retreats. Though I really, I think, only remember going on one. As usual at these things, you stay up really late with your friends. And you wake up way, way, way too early. And the way that they would wake us up is... The fourth years would go down the hallway with a guitar, cymbals, uh, a triangle, and they would flip on the lights in all the dorm rooms, and they would play this guitar song that goes, it's time to get up right now, and they would just sing it over and over again, and it was uh, very shrill, and usually you got up. The coming of light in that way can be welcome or unwelcome. And unlike our growing daylight, this light, 
on this retreat was not welcome. It was a sudden blast. One might even call it a call for repentance. Wake up, start your day. Stop sleeping. Everyone else is up. And yet, this is actually a true blessing if you look at it objectively. But I wanted to stay in the dark. The season of Epiphany recognizes that light of the world, Jesus Christ, that he has come not only to the first or the people of the first century, but also to you and to me by his preaching, both of law and of his gospel. The light of God's law can be a curb to sin, like a group of college students rudely awakening me with a guitar so my day isn't spoiled. God's law can be a mirror, like when you hear everyone else get up except for you and you begin to feel guilty because you're letting the other people down by staying in bed. The light of God's law can be a guide, like a trusted friend, a fourth year, a mentor, a parent, an older brother or sister saying, hey, you should get up because I get up. Don't worry, one day you'll get used to it and then you'll find out you have a bunch more time to do what you love. No matter what form God's law takes, it remains a wonderful, bright light in the darkness and depravity of a sinful, fallen world. In the book of Ephesians, the Apostle Paul writes, Take no time in unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that people do in secret in the dark. But he continues, when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible has come to light. Therefore, the hymn says, and here he references an early Christian hymn made up of parts of the book of Isaiah that goes like this. Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. He finishes, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of your time because the days are evil. Christ himself, Christ's light, sings to you to wake up. He exposes and makes visible what was once hidden in you or hidden from you. The light of God's word shines bright, exposes, calls you to repentance, as he did in those early days of his ministry in Galilee. The season of Epiphany is when God reveals the light of his glory to us in the person of his son, Jesus Christ, most explicitly on the cross. That's where we see what true love is. We're told As Jesus, the light, leaves the temptation of the desert where he is tempted by the devil right after his baptism, John has been arrested, John the Baptist, that is, that 
the people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. Quoting our Isaiah reading that Charlie so wonderfully read for us. But it continues, for those dwelling in the region and shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. Finally, it clicks. Jesus is the light of the world. He has come among his people, beginning with those living in the far off countryside. Most people back in the day when Isaiah was preaching this would have thought, oh, wow. No good Jew would ever live in Galilee. That's too far from Jerusalem. Obviously, they're talking about God's salvation extending to non-Jews. And yes, God is talking about that. You and I, non-Jews, are saved. But what's funny is, as you, many of you were born and raised in Chicago neighborhoods, many of them ethnic neighborhoods know, the same people don't live there anymore. Now the people who are living in darkness are these people who should be the faithful themselves. The very sons of Abraham by blood are living in darkness, in depravity. And they long for the light. They will receive the light. But will all of them accept the light, understand it, receive it? The very first word of Jesus' ministry is repent. The exposing light of God's law calls you to be honest with yourself before God, to examine yourself, to examine your thoughts, to examine your motivations and your actions. And like myself trying to sleep in on a retreat, the human heart's natural inclination is to bury your head in the darkness, to put a pillow over your eyes and hide from the exposing light. But Jesus has more than just the blinding light of the law. Yes, the glory of God's law reveals your dark failings. Yet in the same breath, in the same sentence of Jesus' preaching, he announces that the kingdom, the reign of God is at hand. It's right here. It's on the precipice. The pinholes are poking through reality. God's kingdom is here. It's the dawn of a new day. The days are getting longer, Jesus promises. The energy, the joy of the sun is returning. Do you remember on Christmas Eve when we sang together, Silent Night, Holy Night, Son of God loves pure light. Well, it continues, radiant beams from thy holy face. With the dawn of redeeming grace, Jesus, Lord, at thy birth. Jesus, Lord, at thy birth. At the birth of Jesus Christ. And now in his triumphant adulthood ministry, the gracious, redeeming love of Christ's gospel shines anew. 
As we patiently await the days to grow longer, as each day goes by, we allow Jesus himself to shine those radiant beams of God's redeeming grace. Too much light can often feel painful as we feel the totality of God's law on our hearts. But Matthew reminds us that the presence of Jesus is not just a fire of wrath. And it is. But it's not just that. Like Luther says, Jesus can be our guide, but we ought never to forget he is our gift. He is always our gift, and sometimes he's not your guide, but always let him be your gift. Jesus is also a cleansing fire, a coal from the altar of God that makes new. God doesn't wish to expose to shame, to wound you alone. He wishes for us to return to him because he's slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. God wishes for us to rely on him, to love him, to bind you up, to shine on you as God made man with us in our darkness. While it may sometimes feel like darkness is winning, God's word assures us that the kingdom of God is near, just like how the days are getting longer now. Each day further away from Christmas, as time goes on, we get seconds and then minutes and then tens of minutes more daylight as the sun returns. Epiphany. The light of the world has come. Every single passing day brings us closer to the great glorious day. The great and final dawn is close, closer now than it ever has been. God's gracious reign is imminent by his death and his resurrection for your sins. Jesus has defeated darkness. He has defeated the devil. He has defeated your sin by his death on the cross and his glorious resurrection. A new day has dawned. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Amen.